Masters of Modern Podcast. I am your host, Alex Kessler, and I am here with my co-host, Mr. Benjamin, the boss, Bateman. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Not feeling like the boss in our fantasy football league at the moment. Did lose to you in week one, but I was able to get a a win in week two. Uh, I think it's hilarious that there's your dad, there's you, and there's me. And all three of us can refer to ourselves as the boss on some level. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's been my dad yeah, mostly because like a... <laughs> he took the name the boss. He like took it from you. Yeah, he did. He did. It's true. <laughs> uh, and then and then uh, I really appreciated it when Yahoo Fantasy app uh, sent me a push notification being like, you're the boss for defeating Ben Bateman. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I am. Damn straight. <laughs> But then I lost really bad last week. I lost to Jamil. He doubled my score. Uh, but today we are doing our Innistrad release. It is it is one spooky time. Uh, flashback is back. I'm hyped. These cards are really, really cool. We're going to do a little bit of our classic set release. We're going through as many cards as we possibly think could see play in modern or cards that people are saying could see play in modern and give our two cents on it. We'll try to keep some of it quick. And so if we skip over a card you wanted to hear or you want to hear more information, please let us know because we'll talk about it in other places for sure. Um, this episode uh, is uh, partially brought to you by tcg player uh, there's a link below it's an affiliate link they you t- cost you nothing if you click on that link you don't even have to buy cards right now it'll just remember that you existed and we sent you there and then the future when they buy something uh or when they have something bought on their website by you it'll remember and they'll let us know and maybe throw us some dollars uh and then the other one is battle bosses so battle bosses is a game that uh we kickstarted in 2018 it's finally coming out uh, kickstarter backers should be receiving the first run of the Kickstarter backers have already gone out. The next wave comes out at the end of this month, and then we'll throughout October. We just did Gen Con uh, where we started selling it. So now, if you go to the website, you can buy uh, at least the individual bosses, uh, which uh, twenty dollars uh, each. Really, really exciting way to jump in. It's this awesome game we created. It involves these cool little uh, mini sculpts that then fight each other. Uh, they're called bosses. It kind of plays like League of Legends, Magic, and a tower defense game all married into a cool board game. Definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, it's a blast. And and the response to Gen was really exciting. So we're hyped. We'll be talking about it a lot moving forward. <laughs> Absolutely. It, uh, it's it's a sweet game. And as I, as I was mentioning on our pre-show cast, uh, as somebody who is generally on the other side of the coin when it comes to trying new things, I'm kind of an old codger in that way. Um, I have been around since the beginning of the creation of this game, which is awesome to see. And I remember the early testing groups. I remember all of the early designs. I mean, I played, I actually played a decent amount of it during that time. I probably played a dozen times, like, and all different variations, and, and I had a really good time playing it. And then to see it go from that and develop and go out there and pitch this to retailers and now finally actually have the real ones in our hands, like the really designed production copies, you can feel the weight of it and all the things we've talked about for years when explaining it to people, it's just a special thing. It's it's cool, and the blood, sweat, and tears that went into the design of this game is, is really meaningful and special. So if you've considered it and it's something you've heard us talk about, now is the time. Check yep. it out. Yep. It's, it's an awesome game. Yeah, I mean, you've like we've talked about it for years, and now it actually exists. You can actually just go out and buy it, and and you know, not even just you. If you have a local game store that's looking to pick up some new games or try something new, this is this is coming out. We now have it available to buy at least while uh, supplies last, because um, because we are running out <laughs> already, which is cool. That's exciting as well. Um, and so yeah, we're talking Innistrad. Anything anything else, Ben? Uh, you want to shout out before we jump into cards? I mean, my big shout out, you guys are going to hear this. Uh, and when you do hear this, I'm about one month out from hitting the road. And as many of you know, I'm releasing my first album of music this year. It's something I'm very passionate about, very excited about. And uh, I've got a third song about to come out. But the first shows, Denver, Austin, and Orlando. Austin's almost sold out. Um, Orlando's got a few more tickets left as well. 
you know, then it's like New York and, and, and Chicago, a bunch of shows on the on the East Coast. So if it's something you'd like to check out and, and they're all going to be kind of like private hangouts, every one of them is like a meet and greet. Basically, you come in, see the show, we hang out afterwards, uh, go to Ben Bateman 2021 tour.com. That's where you can get tickets. It's going to be a crazy, extremely exciting experience for me and uh, something I put a lot into. So I'd love to see you guys on the road and, and check it out if you haven't already. Oh, right now, the last thing is we're going to play a little game. It's uh, the weekly round of trivia. And today, um, the way the trivia game works is you're making a bet with the podcast listeners. If you uh, guess correctly, um, you don't have to hit a like. But if you get it wrong, you have to hit that like button. So basically, what you need to do is I'm going to ask a question. Ben is going to try and figure out if he can answer it. In that time, you need to go below, comment your answer below, see if you can get it right, and then... Uh, and then I'll tell, I'll, I'll, I'll give the answer. Uh, and, uh, then if you got it right, you don't have to hit the like button. We appreciate it. It really helps the podcast if you hit the like button, but if you get it wrong, you have, you have to, you just, you're, you're, you're for, you, you are, you are you're required to, you're obligated by listening yes. to this and participating it's in the uh, social contract. When you listen yeah, to this episode, it, you'll otherwise Ben will just be sad and disappointed. Uh, I all know. right, Ben, can you name, and you just have to name uh, one side. Can you name four pathways oh of the of the lands yeah oh man you're <laughs> catching me in an era of i recognize the color and the functionality but I, I uh okay let's let's think here um river glide pathway let's uh let's uh that would be river river glide pathway uh, that is correct that is one of them that is the blue uh, side of the blue red one turn timber pathway uh let me confirm that's two is that one that's a real one turn timber uh it does not appear to be <laughs> no uh there is uh do you want me to tell you the one that it's closest to uh yeah uh, timber crown pathway that's the one that's just green white right uh that is the yeah the green red green red green red okay um uh, <laughs> oak, oak blood oak or dark shadow wait shadow shadow egg blood sh uh blood shadow no <laughs> I'm out. What do you got? <laughs> All right. Uh, the green blue one is bark channel pathway and tide channel uh, pathway. The black red one is blight step pathway and seer step pathway. The black green one is dark boar pathway and slither boar pathway. Uh, the white blue is henge gate and mist gate. Uh, red, green white is branch loft and boulder loft. Red green is crag have. crown and timber crown. Uh, blue black is clear water and murk water. White black Clear is water, murk water, all those. White black is bright climb and grim climb. Needle verge and pillar verge for red white and river glide. Needle verge, ah. river glide and lava glide. So if you got I it right, I should have had. I should have had. I should have had more of those. But this things weird thing that happened to me. I used to be so good with trivia names of magic cards. I I did the thing that so many players do as I got older. I stopped memorizing the names. I just know the casting costs and the abilities and what they do now. I was that was a little bit more shade at all of us because I think I think that's a really hard question. I don't know if I think if you asked anyone, most people cannot answer name four pathways <laughs> either side. I got, I got one right. You got you got I one. That was impressive. Answer. I think yeah. I would have gone zero. I don't think I would have gone a single one. <laughs> 
Uh, but uh, hopefully our listeners didn't get any of them either because now they have to hit that like button. All right, let's talk about Innistrad, Midnight Haunt. Let's do this. Reviews. We're starting with Creatures, and it is at the 17 minute and 30 second mark. Uh, first one is Champion of the Parish. This is black for a 1-1 zombie. Whenever another zombie enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Champion of the Parish. This is the zombie version of the classic uh, Champion of the Parish. Parish. Now he's yeah, perished. That's why, it's, that's, that's why it's such a clever. It's why it's, this, 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 this is the, the most tongue-in-cheek uh, title of a card in the set. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, on so many levels, right? Like the, the fact that the name is so similar, but also it's the idea that it's a human who is now a zombie. Mm-hmm. So he's the champion of the perished. I love that. Um, look, what you what you know is that humans are a great supported tribe that are very powerful and that zombies have had less support over the years because they're just a little bit less vanilla when it comes to like every single set having a push, but they're always around. There's a lot of good zombies. It's very hard to imagine that if not immediately, that eventually this card is not going to be extremely good. It's it's just exactly what you want. Yeah, like this is what we've always said with tribal decks, right? Like tribal decks have to be doing something different than what other tribal decks do. Humans have all the human support, plus they have really interesting disruption and the availability to a, like a, a very large amount of different creatures that can do different things in different uh, things. Spirits, flying evasion, counter magic that does stuff at flash. Uh, merfolk, being able to mana denial while having really beefy creatures is really strong. If zombies can find its niche, it it which it definitely has the option, right? Aristocrat style options, combo stuff with Gravecrawler. Think- Champion of the Parish will be a piece of that regardless. I think what it's I think what its niche is, you can tell already, and you can even just tell from the design of this card and why the design is so elegant, is that zombies have the persistent effect of constantly coming back and gets kind of getting constantly made as tokens. They 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 persist. I mean they, some of them have the ability to persist, but they come back often, they resurrect often, and it's very easy to get multiples of them because they come in. I mean, obviously this set has the decay zombies, but it's very easy to make zombie tokens. So a card like Champion of the Parish is especially good because of the fact that you're going to get so many ETBs from kind of dinky creatures and that will grow this creature very fast. Yeah. Um, I also, I think that's the thing. Zombies I also do, think now zombies have like three extremely powerful beefy one drops, right? You have grave crawler, you have champion of the perished and you have, um, crypt breaker. Is that the one you're getting? No, no, no. The, right? the sacrifice one, the one that sacrifices creatures and gets plus one, plus one counters. Oh, 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 carrion, carrion feeders feeder right. in the format. And with like already zombies were really close, right? They, 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 with modern horizons, they got a little bit close to being actually just a viable thing. And I think this pushes it like close to, if not over the edge, I think like we're really close to that deck being a thing. And I'm excited to see what happens. Um, next card is, uh, Shap- Shaplin, Shaplin of of Alms, white for a one one human cleric. First strike ward, disturbed four for a one one. Uh, when it comes back, it is a two one flying first strike. Each creature you control has ward, um, and then if it dies, it gets exiled. It has the disturbed the disturbed flashback mechanic. Um, the fact that this card, like, is a human. And then can come back late game and buy you into stuff as a one drop, I think is the reason we have it here. It is hard to deal with being ward one and then when it coming back, giving all your other creatures ward one and being able to be pumped by other humans, I think makes it really strong. And and like it just kind of gives you amount of protection and a flying two one first strike is not something to laugh at. Yeah, I think it's good. I do think that the thing this is going to struggle with the most is that the back half of it is cool but it does cost four and the humans deck is so competitive when it comes to its slots i mean i just i can even remember like when militia bugler got printed originally and i remember we were all like oh this is going to be a thing for a while and like 
within like three months, it was like, yeah, this is good. But at three, it's just not enough. Sure. You know, it's just, it just doesn't get enough value. So I, 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 could, I could see this card working. I do think Ward is an interesting ability. But if the Disturb cost on this maybe was three, I think it would be a little more likely. The Disturb cost being four on this is the equivalent of playing two cards the same turn. It's in your graveyard, of course. But there are just more and more answers to graveyard strategies that have been printed that even that, it doesn't feel like it would be that specialized to be able to just get this out of the graveyard. So, but I mean, it is reach. It's a, it's a two, one flyer out of your graveyard, which is pretty strong. Right. Uh, the next card is death bonnet sprout one green for a fungus one, one. So green one, one fungus at the beginning of your upkeep mill card. Then if there are three or more cards, uh, three or more creature cards in your graveyard, a transform death bonnet sprout. It's also a very cute mushroom, uh, it becomes a still cute, but with teeth mushroom, uh, death bonnet hulk fungus horror three three at the beginning of your upkeep you may exile a card from a graveyard if a creature card was exiled this way put a plus one plus one counter on it so it gets bigger from a three three so people are kind of calling also, this you know green delver of secrets it's a one one that comes into play it gains you more value right because you're you're milling cards and that often can be a benefit especially putting creatures in your graveyard and then once you have enough creatures it's a three three for one that becomes a four four that becomes a five five uh every turn yeah, I mean, it's funny because most of the things that mill cards uh, efficiently, most of the spells that have been played in modern decks that mill cards, they're very often spells, not creatures. You have a couple creatures, you have the crabs that do it, um, but again, one of the crabs is, is opponents. You know, Hedron Crab can mill yourself, but the vast majority of things, whether you're talking about a Thought Scour or something like that, they're, they're spells. They're not going to fill up your graveyard with more creatures. They're going to fill up your graveyard with lands and more spells if you're playing a high density of spells. So the flip on this, having to have creatures, means that it's inconsistent in the same way that Delver is inconsistent. But I'm sure there is a strategy that will take advantage of this very well and will turn this into a one-mana 3-3, three, three, which I think is sweet. I also like that on the backside, it has the built-in advantage of exiling cards from your opponent's graveyard. I do think that just there's more and more of that built in now. We're seeing so much of that in card design that they just want all colors to have the ability to do that and do it kind of incidentally. So I think it's one of the things that stands out to me on this card. Sure. And and the benefit of like, if your opponent doesn't have creature cards, it guaranteed you have a deck that does have creature cards. And maybe some of them aren't good for reading by, or you have your other death bonnet hulks in your graveyard that it can eat. Um, the next card is Delver of Secrets. Blue 1-1, one, one, Human Wizard. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal that card if an instant or sorcery card is revealed this way. Transform Delver of Secrets. Not the top three, just the top card of your library. It's a 3-2 flyer. Uh, this card has been in modern since the beginning of the format. It's bad. Uh, we can move on now. <laughs> I think the biggest thing to point out about Delver of Secrets is that the the difference between... Because it, obviously, it's been in modern the whole time. In standard, the big difference with Delver of Secrets is that we don't have Ponder in standard. We had Ponder and Standard when Delver of Secrets was, yeah, was the ex- first time around. It exists both with Ponder and Preordain. Yeah, I, I think I think that there are two things that are working against it. In Modern is that for most of Modern's history, there hasn't been a good card that lets you transform the top of your deck to give it to you. And by the time it maybe got some tools in that world, it became outclassed by just better cards. There are better one drops. Like, honestly, the biggest argument against Death Bonnet Hulk is just Delver of Secrets isn't good. And Death Bonnet Sprout is probably worse than Death Delver of Secrets. And there it's not evasive. So even if it does transform early, it's not going to just it's, it's going to be harder to get in. It's for a damage. bigger threat. You do get the mill. It's a bad creature type. If if it was a zombie or something other than a fungus, I'd be maybe talking about Death Bonnet Sprout a little bit more hyped just because like 
because like playing it and then another creature does get Venge Vines back. Like there are things that it's doing that are close enough. But yeah, uh, both of them I'm pretty, pretty met on uh, next. Uh, but continuing the world of Delver of Secret, excuse me, variants, we got Ecstatic Awakener. One black for a 1-1 one, one human wizard. Sacrifice another creature, two and a black. Draw a card, then transform Ecstatic Awakener. Real fast before we move on, can I just suggest for a second? So Death Bonnet Sprout makes reference to having creature cards. And Delver of Secrets wants you to have spells on the top of your library. If you flip a Bone uh, Crusher Giant off of a Delver, it flips Delver, correct? I don't believe so. Even though the... Because the adventure part of it... Because what? The the adventure part of it is... It is a creature card until you need to cast it as a spell. Like, it's the same uh, reason you can't target Bone Crusher Giant with Snapcaster Mage. That would make sense. Uh, right, because, okay, never mind. I was I was mixing up which side of it was the front half yeah. of it. So, that, yeah, that it, is, would, it would be good for Death's Route. Yes, but not the, correct. Yeah. That That is a hard, don't, don't, like, like, the way adventure works with how that stuff functions is a difficult thing to keep track of. So it is not, that is good that we brought that up. But, yeah. yes, that, that won't work. So back to Ecstatic Awakener. It turns into a 4-4. Four, four. So it's a 1-1, one, one, for one mana, you get a 1-1 one, one human wizard that you may pay 2 and a green for a sack and sacrifice another creature to get a 4-4 four, four out of it. Um, 1 mana to a 4-4, four, four, pretty good. Second thing is normally not that bad. I think just it, I, the 1-1 one, one version of this doesn't seem very good. Yeah, it's just a 1 mana 1-1 one, one that requires you to everything. pay 3 and have another creature. Now, you do draw a card, so... You do get but a yeah. I mean, yeah. you get a you get it, it. It's basically one one that lets you play a four four draw a card, sacrifice a creature. I mean, here's the question: If you had black two for a four four, that when it entered the battlefield, uh, you when it entered the battlefield, you had to sacrifice another creature and draw a card. That was a card that existed. You didn't have to cast this for its one drop front half. It was just a four four for three that you sacked another creature on entry with flash and. Yeah, that's how it's flash. I still don't even think that that would be incredible. I just think that would be a fine card. I think that wouldn't see play. Yep. I'm moving on. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I don't think that works. Uh, Lunark Veteran. One white, one one. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. Disturb one in a white. Whenever another creature you control leaves the battlefield, you gain one life. So this is another Soul Sisters option card, right? It, It only triggers on your creatures, which is worse, but not by a lot. And the fact that it does have this ability to come back and be an additional, you know, it's, it's removal resistant might give it a piece to be able to play with. It is the one important mana. So you can do stuff with it. That's cute. Um, I think it's just yeah. close to being on the line of playable in that type of deck. I don't think it's quite there, but I wouldn't be surprised if this sees some like, uh, like fringe play for sure. Yeah, I mean the fact that when it comes back on the backside, it only reacts to it only reacts to leaving the battlefield, not entering the battlefield means that even on the back half, you're not really getting what you want out of a Soul Sisters card and the front sure. half because it doesn't react to their creatures. There's enough Soul Sisters. There's Soul's Attendant, Soul Warden, and Essence Warden. If you want to play twelve, you can just play twelve of them if you want to build that deck with green in it. So, sure. Uh, next card yeah. is Willow Geist, uh, green for a one-one Tree Folk Spirit. Which is a relevant creature type, right? Tree Folk does have some amount of support. Trample. Uh, whenever one or more creature cards leave your graveyard, put a plus one, plus one counter on Willow Geist. When Willow Geist dies, you gain life equal to its power. This card's sweet. Yeah, it it, it dies and gives you stuff. Uh, it's very easy to make Willow Geist big, right? Just anything from playing this in like any deck that's playing... Uh, 
tap remove a thing or you can exile to remove all graveyards scavenging ooze or sca yeah, scavenging ooze i was thinking of uh relic of progenitus. oh relic or yeah yeah. yeah yeah um like just like random good incidental graveyard hate or just playing this as just like a beater that like you can use with delve cards or like there's so many ways to remove stuff from your graveyard conveniently um and it leaves favorite. your graveyard so it also can be played and then like if you get venge vines back or if you play a flashback spell or like an escape spell i'll this do one better that i know you'll love this card plays very nicely with a one green one colorless sorcery with dredge on it gets lands back in your hand it does because when you dredge loam it triggers and then when you cast loam to get the lands from your graveyard to your hand it also triggers a second time you're right exactly. it does it does and that card also doesn't hate a tree folk situation this card yeah willow geist is really dope i i think this card i think this card might be even underrated in how people are evaluating i think there's a lot of cute ways to do it it might just be a little underpowered like right when comparing this to something like ragavan but the fact that you can play this for one green and it blocks ragavan and then you gain some life off of it in the worst case scenario isn't, you know, like the death trigger is not an irrelevant trigger. Again, no, life, definitely not. Yeah. It's also pretty good with like, I mean, people are playing that, that is a deck of Murktide Regent right now. So and Murktide Regent and that whole deck is about cards being removed from your graveyard. So could like, you be rug? This, yeah. This, yeah. This plays pretty nicely with that. Or like a hyper version of of like green, blue Murktide Regent delve like self mill where you're like trying to power that out a lot quicker. Yeah. There's also, I think the other thing about this card, just I, I don't know what it is offhand, but there's probably an infinite loop that exists where you are swapping cards graveyard to hand or like something. I mean, literally any, you know, if you gain infinite life off of like a Finks or there's any any number of different things. And then this is a win condition because it has trample to get through and attack and, you know, attack for a billion. So there's also stuff like which I actually realized I didn't grab, but I will I'll grab that really quickly. Uh, there's the new pumpkin artifact. Uh, one mana for a uh, an artifact, not creature, that you can uh, pay one, tap it, exile up to one target card from a graveyard, draw a card, and then you can pay one to exile it from your graveyard to add one mana of any color, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's like graveyard hate that draws a card on an artifact that then can fix your mana out of your graveyard and triggers this guy twice. Um, okay, gotcha. So you get like, like on turn two, you can pay one, and then sacrifice this exiling uh, fetch land from your graveyard, getting your other thing into a 2-2 and drawing a card. And then on your next turn, you may sacrifice it to fix your mana to pay your three drop or play your Murktide region or whatever. Right. So like, I think that's cool. I think like there's there's like cute things you can do with this. Uh, and that card is uh, called Jack O'Lantern, which I'm just very hyped that that card exists in general. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I like th that can be like the next card we talk about, but because I didn't add it to the list and I do want to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I think I think that makes uh, uh, Willow Geist uh, uh, really interesting. Now, let's talk about Jack O'Lantern. Uh, one mana artifact, one uh, tap it, sacrifice Jack O'Lantern, exile up to one target card from a graveyard, draw a card. And from your graveyard, you may pay one and add one mana of any color. So Wait, where is Jack-O-Lantern? It's not on this list. I did. I, I forgot it on the list. Oh, you just added it? I forgot. Okay, I like, it. yeah, I remembered it while talking about this card. I shouldn't have because I love this card. This card's one of my favorite cards <laughs> from this set in general. Uh, here it is. Got it. Okay. Jack-O-Lantern. So it's an artifact. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so this is like relatively interesting graveyard hate, right? Like it, it's it's worse than relic, though it can be targeted. It does draw you a card on that effect. So there there are other cards that, that exist that are one mana artifacts that do this. 
the thing that's really interesting to me is its second effect. Being able to, from your graveyard, fix your mana as a secondary part of the plan is something that's like really cool, hasn't been seen a lot of play before, hasn't doesn't exist. And so it kind of plays as this really cool way and play pattern of balancing those two effects together. Uh, just it's it's a nice balance of all those effects. Whether you're talking about drawing cards, adding mana, exiling cards, now a lot of them like make a treasure or something like that. But the fact that all the abilities cost one, I think, is the, the greatest strength of this card. They didn't make the mistake of making one of these things cost two. Right. It's also like a good thing to like. If I am mana or color screwed early game, this thing draws me a card. Did I get the land I needed? No. Cool. Play it. Then I can then I can exit out to use it for the mana fixing, right? So it gives you that ability, and like with something like Emery that lets you rebuy it, and you can play it in a a, a blue white red or blue black red or Grixis version of the deck. I think like Jack O' Lantern is really cool, and it's just like yeah. decent graveyard hate, right? You'll just get people with it. Um, all right, next card is next card. Uh, we're now in the world of two drops. Uh, Blade stitched scab, uh, blue and a black for a two three zombie soldier. Uh, other zombies you control get plus one plus zero. This is the first two mana zombie lord. Um, okay, it's in good colors. It's blue and black, uh, and. It is a two mana two three. It's two colors, which is what hurts it. And we've obviously we've talked about how the two color lords are a little weird, but the blue green merfolk one does see play. And I and that's plus one plus one versus plus one plus zero. But I think this card is almost more important than that card was. This card, there's no com competition for this card. There's no two mana lord here. I mean, Diagraph Captain at three in the original Innistrad is a great card. I love that card, but we it was proven over time that at three mana it just wasn't enough. And so it's always a little weird when you talk about two mana lords tribally, right? That's we've talked about this many, many, many times on the show. It just because you have one or you even have like a redundancy of two mana lords in a particular tribe doesn't necessarily mean the deck will pick up steam any more than say a competing tribal deck. There's a lot of them now, right? Sure. In the last few years, we've seen even more of them. But I do think that the fact that it has three toughness on its own anyway at two power is such a strong place for this card to start because if it pairs with any other Lord, with any other way of beefing it, now you're getting it out of lightning bolt territory on its own. It's not a two, two for two. It potentially becomes a three, four. If you have, uh, you know, a, a, just any other, any other proper Anthem, right? right. Um, any of the, any of the three drop zombie, like, like, like the fact that a, this curves really well, or you play like, there's so many good one drops, right? You're going to be playing 12, to 16 one drops in the deck in zombies that then follows up by this two drop which is great and then can be followed up by a three drop lord that pumps both of these out of lightning bolt range and makes all of your threats really strong not to mention pumping your zombie tokens if you have them i yeah i think i think this is definitely of the list of two mana multicolor lords in a tribe that could use this better than in other places i mean think about for a second the fact that this card in standard, you're going to be able to attack for three on turn two with Champion of the Perished. That's in standard, right? Right, right, right. Without any cleverness or, or add-ons. Like, so I think this card's pretty good. Yeah. This, this, to me, feels a lot like the way that we watched uh, Rogues take off when we had all the different ones get printed and how good that was, especially sure. the two-mana Flash guy. Um, this, this, to me, feels like a very, very similar kind of thing that I think Blue Black's going to get a big-time boost. I think it's going to be very good. Yep uh bloodthirsty adversary uh one in a red for creature vampire two two haste when it enters the battlefield you may pay two in a red any number of times so it is multi-kicker but kind of when you play the cost one or more times put that many plus one plus one counters on bloodthirsty adversary then exile up to that many cards instants and or sorceries 
with mana value three or less from your graveyard and copy them. You may cast any of the copies without paying their mana costs. Now, a few interesting things. This works slightly different than multi-kicker, right? And there's a lot of work that's been talked about these cards because this enters the play and then you get to activate it. So you can activate this off of, you don't have to cast it, right? It can be activated off of a blink effect. It can be activated off of a... Um, Aether Vial effect, right? Like, so there's different ways to do that. Two, uh, this is castable in a Luros deck, right? Yep. This, this because it by is. being two mana, that that's a big value. So it plays a lot like Goblin Dark Dwellers, right? The, as far as an ability goes, it's a Goblin Dark Dwellers that instead of Menace being in a 4-4, it's a 3-3 Haste, which I would argue is better. And I've realized that I've now been on the internet and gone on arguments where people disagree with that statement. But I think Menace is a useless ability unless you're unlimited. And I think Haste is a good ability all the time, <laughs> um, uh, uh, regardless of 4-4 versus 3-3. Sometimes in the late game, it'll be a 5-5 or it'll be a 4-4 Haste, right? When you're able to cast it if you draw in the late game. And then there are going to be many a time where you play it as just a two mana two two that attacks, right? But at five, I mean, the thing about this card that's very good is that you know there are certainly situations where in games of modern the game stalls out a little bit, sure, and you are top decking, and maybe like one person's just waiting to get in, like they can't get around the thing, and like there's totally a world with this card where you just have a bunch of burn spells in your graveyard and you end up casting this for eight mana. Yeah. You just cast it for eight. Like it's a late, it's a late top deck. And because what you put that many plus. So if you did that, you'd get to cast two spells out of your graveyard. Is that right? Yeah. It's a, it's mana. a, it's a four, four and you would do, let's just assume two lightning bolts. So six, so you'd have a 10 damage between two lightning bolts and a four, four haste in play it fits the bill like i know this whole cycle of cards does of being good early and good late and and granted like i don't ever want to think about casting an eight drop in a deck that's trying to kill you with lightning bolt that doesn't really make any sense to me but i do know that the reality of this card and its value late in the game is pretty versatile there's a lot this can do and it being a two two haste for two is a strong enough effect on its own so well, yeah, I think I think this card is the real like deal. think think like mid game where like you cast a Luros, they killed Lurus, whatever people, however people say it, uh, people are going to comment <laughs> uh, it like you cast this late game after they already killed your Lurus and you're able to cast this grabbing a uh, ra- uh, call against command K command from your graveyard that you cast earlier to buy back Luros to then recast Luros. And then you can then cast this from your graveyard. If they, if they blocked it off of the haste, you know, like it, 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 right. they work so well together. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I think, I think these guys are, are, are more powerful than people are giving credit to them. The next one I want to talk about is the white one, which is interpret adversary. It's a three, one for two, one and a white and lifelink. And, uh, it gets plus one plus one counters, and for each plus one plus one counter, uh, other uh, creatures you control get plus one plus one. What- That's really good. I like this card a lot. So you're telling me that it's a that you're telling me that this is a four mana four two lifelink anthem creature. That's what this that's what this reads. It's either a two mana three one lifelink, which is a pretty good rate to begin with. I'm not I'm not displeased with that anyway. Sure. I mean, I wouldn't cast this card as a two mana three one lifelink most of the time. But, but sometimes you would. This- against some matchups, you'll play and be like, you know what? I need a blocker. I need a three one that comes down and gains me some life against burn, kills this Ragavan. Much in the same way that uh, Gideon from Battle for Zendikar, I think. I think it was Battle for Zendikar. Uh, emblem Gideon for four would come down and just immediately make an emblem. That was just like what he did yeah. most of the time. Um this feels kind of similar in some ways. Now, spending four mana, obviously, on a, on a creature that'll just get lightning bolted a lot of the time or 
can still get you know can still get pushed that, that's that's fine but i do think this card is a really nice really nice curve topper the human deck doesn't really want this at four but it's still a really I nice mean, option for that i disagree because you can coco into this and still pay um, like on turn six you can coco into this and pay the two to make it a four two right like that's that's insane uh the fact that that's you, a good point it's a good point actually that this thing costs two uh and, and in that sense because it that now you can get you can take advantage of a lot of stuff with it like if you end up playing this if you ended up playing this card in like a more of like a mardu type of shell you could claim fame this into play you could mm -hmm. play for one then you could pay the ability once or even multiple times well like, um, like think of a claim fame on turn five right like one mana claim pump this i guess you'd pump it twice you always pump it but like there's a world where maybe you fame them and so you you swing with a six six three lifelinker <laughs> yeah uh, just to like uh, with haste right so like and sometimes that'll just win you the game so yeah i and think it's a good it's a good creature type too yeah oh yeah they're all they're all good creature types like the red one's a vampire the white one's a human the blue one's a spirit the black one's a vampire or a zombie and the green one's a werewolf um the spirit is the next one i want to talk to this is probably the worst of the cycle but even then one well first off i'm gonna say uh, a few words and you're going to love this card without any other words it's one in a blue for a two one flash flyer i mean i'm i'm, I'm so in on this card already <laughs> it's just like another one of these cards it's like my favorite type of card and when i saw it, i was like all that's gonna matter is that those things so it's a spirit uh <laughs> and then when a spectral adversary enters the battlefield you may pay one in a blue any number of times when you do pay this cost one or more times put that many plus one plus one counters on it so it's it becomes a bigger flyer as time goes on and uh then phase out that many other target artifacts creatures and enchantments so it allows you to um fog if you need to right if there's like one or two creatures you need to not die to that turn you can fog them out it allows you to also like move blockers out of the way if you need to get in uh, and it also lets you counter removal spells you're able to save your things from board wipes or removal spells or targeted removal that you need to protect and even stuff like spell queller doesn't give the player the card back because it's not dying right so it'll leave play but then when it comes back they it still has the card exiled yeah that's really that's really strong <laughs> this card's friggin' sweet uh i mean it's scalable right it's just so much design that is so focused on this idea now which is that they want cards that are pretty good early and are really good late and they want i mean multi-kicker is obviously something we had seen in the past but it feels like the front half of a lot of these cards is pretty strong a uh, little 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 stronger than the old multi-kicker cards mm -hmm. Uh, next card is Cathar Commando, one in a white uh, for a three one flash uh, for one mana human soldier. So three one flash human soldier for for two. Uh, you may pay one and sacrifice it to destroy target artifact enchantment. So it's a for three mana disenchant or two mana flash three one that can be used later to destroy artifacts and enchantments. I think this is just interesting because it's so versatile, right? Like in in a world where maybe humans just wants cheaper artifact removal on one of its creatures if artifact decks become really strong or enchantment decks more importantly i think become really strong this is a great option as a way to fight that in the main deck because it's always going to be generically good and then sometimes yeah. it's going to be insane i think it's a little below the power level but i do think it's close yeah i think so too i i feel like it's there's so many options that are doing this nowadays i don't think it just having flash is going to get the job done but this will be a limited all-star for sure yeah the other thing is that the fact that it works really well with stuff like Luros, right like it's a great it's one of the it's probably one of the best 
creature artifact removal spells just because you're yeah. able to re, re replay it a bunch of times in a different few different ways in the format is another thing I like about it. But yeah, next card, Denic Pious Apprentice, blue, white, two, three, legendary creature, human soldier, lifelink, uh, creature cards and graveyards can't be the targets of spells or abilities. You can pay two white, blue, disturb. It's a flying three, two. When one or more creature cards are put into graveyards from anywhere, investigate. This ability only triggers once each turn. So um, on the front side, it's just a two mana lifelink graveyard hate card or graveyard protection card. Uh, if you would want to protect specific cards from targeted uh, removal. And then on the back end, it starts becoming an investigate uh, 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 engine. There's also not infinite mana, but like decent mana engines where there's a there's a there's a card that like whenever a uh Token. Whenever you sacrifice a clue token, uh, do a thing. I think it's a mill three cards, and then there's whenever okay. you sac mill a creature. Or no, it's whenever you a a creature enters your graveyard. No, that's what this does. I forget what the other two combos are. I believe it's. I believe one of them is if you just have this in the sacrifice tap. Sorry, grinding station. This plus grinding station. Sacrifice an artifact. Target player puts the top three cards of his or her library into their graveyard. Plus Denik. If you hit a creature, you just get clue tokens. So you're able to like kind of self-mill yourself pretty quickly in a cool way. And then the other card is Grinding Station's like pretty expensive, if I remember correctly. It's two mana. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. is am I thinking of summoning station cost seven? Is that what it is? Uh you're thinking of salvaging station. Salvaging which is a card station costs seven. I love. But yeah, grinding station is two for an artifact, tap it, sacrifice an artifact, target player puts the top three cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Oh, whenever an artifact comes into play, you may untap Grinding Station. And then Got with it. Denik, it allows you to do that like twice a turn. So you can kind of be really efficient with Grinding Station and Denik, uh, which is a cool, cool kind of combo. Um, all right. Yeah. But otherwise, it's a two mana, two, three, legendary creature, lifelink, protects your things, human. Kind of a bunch of different be, abilities. Yeah, really I powerful. mean, I think I look at this card and I don't really think modern. I think commanders, to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's a good design, but you don't, it doesn't, you don't think a human that's a two, three for two that protects graveyards. And then if it dies, you get a flying three, two that draws you cards is good in modern. I don't think it's bad. I just, again, I think, I think the truth is that like the, like, I think this guy's I just okay. The, in commander, I think this is like much more of a constructed playable card. I think this is a uh, this is legendary because they didn't want to have multiple cards of the this in play. I I mean it prevents it prevents like definitely a lot of like you know it's an anti snapcaster card it, like definitely does some stuff like that. It allows you to it definitely it, it, it's it's good goose, because call against command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think this card's bad or anything like that. I just I look at it and I, I I imagine that there are a lot of things that if you're talking about humans that are fighting for the two drop slot. So I'm wondering what deck this ends up playing in that is really interested in taking advantage of the back half, I guess. But, but it's, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a cool card, right? I, I'm glad we're talking about it. <laughs> uh, heirloom mirror, one in a black artifact, tap one, pay one life, discard a card, draw a card, mill a card, then put a ritual counter on heirloom mirror. Then if it has three or more ritual counters on it, remove them and transform it, activate it as a sorcery. It is then a flying four, four exile target creature fraud from a graveyard, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. But, Essentially, it's a discard outlet for two mana that draws you a card and mills you a card. So in some ways, if your deck is built correctly, draws you two cards and then uh, creates a 4-4 flyer for two mana. I think it's just a lot of work to make this card happen. So I don't think it's going to see play in modern, though I do think it was like almost there. I think it if it like didn't cost a mana to tap it or if the demon was a 6-6, six, six, 
and didn't have the ability, it would have gotten there. But it's just like a bunch of different little things that make it not worth it. What was the name of that card? I feel like you loved this card, the black one. You you mill a card, discard uh, a card. One black. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, this card's underrated. Uh, and is, something is concoction way better. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, sinister concoction. One black. One. Uh, one black for a right. enchantment, and then you can pay one black, sacrifice it. Uh, you mill a card, target pl- destroy target creature, and discard a card. I think is its abilities, and like love that card. Anytime you want to discard out in a removable spell. Sinister Concoction. So it's one. Yeah, that's that's an Alex Kester special. Uh, all right. Next card is Malevent Hermit. One in a blue, two, one. Uh, human Wizard, Disturb, two in a blue. But you may pay one, sacrifice it to counter target non-creature spell unless it's controller pays three. And then the flip side for three mana is a two, two flyer. Non-creature spells you control can't be countered. Yeah, this card's pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, I, I like this card for several reasons. Um, number one, I have always been a fan of the, you know, Spike Till Drakeling, that type of card. I'm, I'm always a fan of those. I think that's the good one, right? Hatchling is the two mana one and, and uh, Drake is the five mana one. But Drakeling, the three mana one is the good one because it's counter unless they pay two. This is negate unless they pay three for only a blue, um, which is a pretty strong way to start. Like, I... There's probably it's not in the humans deck. In fact, that's definitely not the card. That's not the deck that this plays in. Maybe it's in a wizard's deck. I'm, I'm not thinking of. What probably it is is this is in some sort of a tempo permission based deck that I can't even imagine yet. Because when it comes back, what it means is now now your permission spells can't be countered, which is sick. <laughs> and you have a and you have an evasive threat. Yeah, so I think, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a wizard card more than a human card, right? Like the fact that like. Wizard decks generally are instant and sorcery plus creature style decks. Like you're playing with all three and it works there. Plus it can be a tempo play. I agree though that like, yeah, it comes back as a three mana two, two flyer from the graveyard is really good. Yeah. I like this card a lot. I don't know where it'll fit, but this card to me feels like there's a, I also an important card in a deck that'll be dope. I also like this card in decks that want to like graveyard based combo decks, like decks that do self mill can get this into your graveyard. Cause being able to like, have this with your looting effects or your self mill that then you can cast it the turn before protect your non creature before you go off. and they either have to remove this creature or you win on your next turn is like pretty pretty dope against against some things and the fact that like it also like gets around um any like if they had like a negate effect right or 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 um this is like a great answer to force negation decks as a sideboard sure. card. You just play this. And if you're a deck that is scared of force negation, this is a great card to side in against control decks because they either have to remove this spell or you're going to win with it uh, at some point. It creates an inevitability engine for you that I really like. Um, great. Next card is Get old stick fingers yeah. is our next card here. <laughs> X black green. I thought it was sticky fingers until this moment, but legendary creature horror. When you cast a spell, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal X creature cards, put all creature cards revealed this way into your graveyard. Then put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. Uh, it's power and toughness are each equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard right now in modern. Because like the, 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 to understand the play pattern, the way this card works is you cast this for X and X is equal to the exact amount of other creatures in your deck and it reveals all of them and puts them into play. 
so it's not you're not playing this card as uh like a thing that's going to value get you like oh i cast it for four and i'll get two creatures of choice it's no i'm literally playing with only two cards in my deck that this is going to find and when it finds them i win because it's a combo and so right now the best stuff involves somehow getting a necroticus back into play and putting different things in your graveyard with necroticus but that being said there are ways to win with this card that could be printed in the future. And there are stuff in legacy and vintage and commander that let you just instantly win with the card with this by casting it from your, from your deck. So one day there will be a weird combo of creature cards. You need in your graveyard that a four mana in tomb creature putting it into play. That's gold. So it can be found with glittering wish or legendary tutors. So you can only play, you could get away with just playing one of them is going to be good enough to murder some people. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I feel like I, I, maybe I'm missing something on this, but you have to play, if you want that to be your deck, you're playing multiples of this card. You have to pay X more than like one if you want to get multiple cards into your graveyard. And, and and so how much are you casting this for? Six? Right now, if you, cast it, if you cast it for five and you're only playing yeah. one old stick fingers, so you just play other cards to go to find it. Glittering Wish and the Legendary Tutor, the two mana find a legendary creature. Time, time of need. So yeah. uh, you can only play with, you could just play with the one of them and then you find the other two creatures and you just win, right? Okay, five so is, you have enough tutors and they're non-creature and that's the, yeah, that's fair. It's it's That's cool. Well, I'll be excited to see those decks work. That sounds fun. The other one, The other one is like, just make a lot of mana, right? Put it in a, in a deck that ramps that gets there. But that that's that's how I would do it. Uh, yeah. Smoldering Egg, one red, uh, zero four defender. When you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a number of ember counters onto it. Then if you ha has enough, if it has seven counters, you flip it, and it is a four four flying. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it uh, Ashmouth Dragon deals two damage to any target. People have brought this up. Uh, this isn't uh, uh, the blue one from the last set. Blue one from the last side. What Merktide Regent? Who are you the about? zero four wall that when you cast eight spells, you get an you get like a merit leash on the other side. Oh, 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 oh. not from the last set. You mean from from the last Innistrad set? Eldritch Moon. Uh, th thing in the ice. Yeah, thing in the ice. This is not thing in the ice. <clears throat> I wish it yeah, was, I mean, but um, it's close. It's cool. I'm glad this exists, and it'll be fun in standard and other places. But I think thing in the ice is just better than this card. Well, because it's it's equal to the amount of mana spent to cast the spell, so you can't cheat your way into the counters is one thing. You, like Lava Dart, for instance, is not going to get a counter on this, right? But it's also easier, right? Because you can cast two spells and it now is flipping. Two bigger spells, you mean? Well, but like a, a, a three seven... drop and a three, like a three, like two three drop instants and sorceries, right? You can get there like a call against command followed by another one or, you know, it's it, you can play war. You don't have to be like trying to get them with like zero drop spells and turboing it out you can be more lazy with it i guess you can mill yourself in a grixis deck with colagon's command to get back your smoldering eggs and then that triggers your other smoldering eggs they're not legendary and then all of your sweet spells once it flips are just like i win the game spells yeah that seems really fun <laughs> i'm all about it i mean it does it does seem like it's competing with like phoenix and like you know lich and and like or Demi-Lich, whatever that card's called. Uh, which did this, like which, kinda... which, did, which did this, blah, 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 which did just 5-0 uh, a yeah. modern tournament. So we'll talk about the, those cards in a second. Let's go to the next card. Suspicious Stowaway, one in a blue, uh, human rogue werewolf, 1-1, one, one, uh, cannot be blocked. When it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, then discard a card. So it's day bound side, and it's day bound. On its day bound side, 
it acts very similar to the shadow card. Uh, what's it? Yeah, yeah, Lunar Elcor. Lunar Elcor. But once it flips, once you cast two spells a turn, pretty easy to do. Or once you, if you like untap, not casting a spell, holding up oh. counter magic, it now becomes a two one that can't be blocked. And when it does damage, you draw a card. Oh, this card is my, this card is all me. I love this card. I like will play this card until the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, it's a looter on the front side that lets you hold up counter magic to then flip on the back side and become a 2-1 uh, that draws a card every time it does damage and can't be blocked. I think this card's really good. I think it's maybe just weak enough where it won't see playing modern. It's just like it's almost not good enough, but like there are versions isn't this card that it's with, insane. Isn't this card with like Curious Obsession and Ghostly Pilferer and counter magic, just like the bee's knees. I mean, I'm <laughs> isn't, a fan. That, it, isn't that like what you you just like turn you just like turn to cast one of your creatures with counter like you know free counter magic? I guess you can't cast force of negation on your turn. So if they kill it on your turn, then you're just tapping out. But like putting a putting a uh, curious obsession on this card and then holding open counter map, you know, or, or like, but you you know what I'm saying? And then it flips, and like now you're telling me that I'm attacking you with a. A three-two can't be blocked. That I draw two cards every time it connects. That seems pretty good to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like this could be a thing. I think it's a little weak, but it's like a fun tempo deck for sure. Yeah, I think this um, card's significantly better than Delver of Secrets in Modern. I will say that. I'll never, I'll never give in. Next card, we're going to talk about Triska Decafile. One in a blue for a one-three. You have no maximum hand size, and at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have exactly 13 cards in your hand you win the game three and a blue draw a card here's the deal i don't know how insane it is to just get exactly 13 cards in your hand well at this point let's just check the quick the quick price on training grounds where are we at where have we gotten to in the insane world of training grounds 40 bucks probably right probably more i mean training grounds was like four oh it's only 33 dollars okay did it ever get a reprint? I feel like it still doesn't have one. No, it didn't. Yeah. So that's the first thing I think of when I look at this card. Controlling 13 cards, is a, it's a difficult thing to do. You can draw cards, certainly, but it's difficult well, to do. It's hard to do, but it's only hard to do if you have to do that and then also figure out how to win. That's fair. Yeah. Like if your whole game plan is just get to 13 cards somehow. I don't know. I think this card is definitely fringe because you also need to get to it, though. You are drawing a lot of cards in this deck, but like playing like a howling mind deck where this is a card that's helping you get to 13 cards and then protecting it with counter magic like this card. This card like very easily lets you play like a cool Drago style deck that modern hasn't really seen before because you never have to win. There's no win. This is the win condition. You just have to count to 13 and get to your turn with this trigger on the stack and play enough, maybe free spells that you're able to like discard cards. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think this card's uh, like, I, this is a card that I would have a lot of fun playing to try and win with though. It I, certainly seems like a cool, it certainly seems like a cool win condition type of card. It is a wizard, which means that the wizard cycling card. Uh, that's, that's that card that I used to love so much from, uh, I used to always try to play this card from, from <laughs> future site. Uh, Vidalkin Aether Mage. Oh, yeah, you can tutor for it. This wizard cycling. The wizard cycling. The yeah, three yeah, drop yeah. instant speed wizard cycler. Uh, gets this card into your hand. And 
Yeah, I don't know if there's a better. Is there a better wizard tutor or creature tutor at instant speed that specifically gets the one you want? I'm trying to think, if there is. I don't think so. I don't even know if you need the tutor for it though. Like if you just play four of these and your game plan is to draw as many cards as possible, you will draw at least one of them, if not two. There's probably clever ways to to fill your hand, and, and there, like there's probably really interesting ways you could do it. Because here's the here's the truth. You yes, you can certainly draw a lot of cards. Drawing a lot of cards to be able to get to 13 cards between the end of a turn and a draw step. Uh, oh, I guess you have no maximum hand size when this is down. But as soon as this comes down, they're going to kill it. So you're only going to have a short window. Yeah, I like like just I'm just like imagining play like four of these every free counter magic spell you can play. And in like blue sun zeniths and foffs and like just different good like quantity over quality card draw spells and and counter magic and just like be like this you're, could this be a loam could this be a loam card <laughs> loam does work with this like you can get you draw three cards off of loam i don't know exactly how good it is with that just because it doesn't do anything but like you do get to your land drops i don't know i like like it might not. It might just be too slow, but I think it would be cute. I think it's a cute deck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, it's certainly on the top list of probably the five or ten cards in the set that I'm the most excited by. So, you know, I sign off. Next card. Oh, snap. I just realized something thinking about other cards in the set that I like. Our little green guy who gets counters on him every time you remove a card from your graveyard. Yeah, Willowgeist. Yeah, that guy. Um, that's a really convenient way to play with... Um, the one ascendancy that I like so much, the blue green one, it gets a counter every time you put a counter on a creature. It's like a really incidental way to get counters on oh, creatures. Oh, sure. Simic ascendancy. Yeah, like there's like a Simic ascendancy deck that in my mind is like that card plus what's his name, um, scavenging ooze, and like yep. you know just just like going going ham on manual graveyard removal to just build up your ascendancy and just win. Sure, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, next card is uh, the it was the 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 black one in the cycle of the advisories uh, one in a black uh, two three death touch zombie uh, at his end of his battlefield made two two in a black any number of times and you get decayed zombies for that I think the big thing here is a two mana two three zombie kills pretty much most things that are trying to attack you in a format which is nice I wish it had flying to block murktide regent i think that's the big thing that's hurting it is murktide regent just doesn't care that this card exists because otherwise the ability for zombies to like early game play or, or zombies or luros decks to play early game at two three for two but then late game can be six power right like it be, starts becoming a, like a grave titan over time so I, I do think that's and we'll talk about grave titan 2.0 eventually but yeah i think i don't think i think this is the least good of the main ones for modern but maybe better in decks like standard or historic I think this card is pretty cool. It's not that strong, though. The issue with this card is that the most reasonable way to cast this is either the two-mana way, which you just talked about, which is pretty good, or it's the five-mana way. That's the two things you're going to do the most often. And if you're telling me that for five-mana, I'm getting a three-four death touch zombie that makes me a, a dinky zombie token, it, that's not really good enough. Right, like, right, right. I actually I actually think the two best versions of this are a the two-mana version and the ten-mana version. Okay, or, gotcha. or like, or the eleven mana version, right? Like, I yeah, think, I yeah. think, I like, I don't think I ever want to pay this for five. Sometimes I will, but what I do want to have this for is like, I use Nykthos to tap for twelve mana and cast this and get like use it as like a 
an overrun effect late game if I top deck it that like all other times in the game I'm paying it as a two mana two three death touch that I can rebuy with cards like Luros or Claim Fame. The problem is that in modern that each each turn of the game becomes less and less significant. So unless you're in, well, if well, you're ramping well, out, except that uh, I'm arguing that a two three a two mana two three is fine in a yeah, zombie deck. Totally. So what, so what I'm saying is I I don't mind the two mana two three version. I'm saying the most common souped up version you'll probably ever see is going to be the five mana version. Let's just be honest. That's the that's uh, the top end of like a mid-range card because beyond that, you have to spend eight. I dis- How many things can you think of that are hard cast for eight? I disagree with that, actually. I think more games in modern go to the point where players have eight or more mana. They're just like, you can never count on that happening. And any card that can only be good in those situations is terrible. But if you have a card that's great in that situation, that's good in every other, like the normal two mana versions. Yeah that starts being interesting to me, right? Like I like that scalability effect. I agree though that this, like I think the other ones are better, but yeah, it's close. Uh, Vampire Socialite, red and a black, two, two, menace. When it enters the battlefield, in a, if an opponent lost life this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on each other vampire you control. I like that. As long as an opponent lost life this turn, each other vampire you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter. So, Opponent loses life. When you play this, every vampire you get a plus one, plus one counter. And then from that point on, as long as your opponent has lost life, future vampires also enter with those counters. So it's a lord on both ends. It plays a lot like Thalia's Lieutenant, which has seen a ton of modern play. It's like a vampire Thalia's Lieutenant. I think this card is also not legendary, which is nice because you can play multiples of them, Uh, especially with the next set coming out. This card feels a little planty. Like, I don't think Vampires is quite there yet, but I think this gets there. And Vampires has a lot of really powerful support that it has been printed already that it's just missing a few different pieces. And I think this helps. Yeah, this card's pretty good, man. This card's pretty good. I got to say it's aggressive. The casting cost is right. It's it's is a lot like Thalia's Lieutenant and Thalia's Lieutenant is one of the key cards that push humans into actual prominence. Um, I like this card a lot. Yep, I, I, I I can see this working with any number of different vampire strategies. Well, but and it's lose life. So like Blood Artist works, right? The fact that Blood Artist is a vampire is such a boon to this card. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what are you doing with your vampire deck if they're not losing life at return? Right. That's the right. whole point. So it's going to trigger most of the time. And that's yeah, pretty that's pretty powerful. I think the deck is missing one drops like it like there needs to be. But the, it has the one drop that you can discard a card if you sacrifice it. That has menace. It has um the the Vulcan Wrath Aristocrat. And so there are some one drop vampires. They're never been quite good enough, but maybe between yeah, this and the next they, they set. Used always, they used to always print like pulse tracker and cards like that where yeah. you'd be like, can I make this work? Well, there's like, never quite got there's there. like the one mana two one vampire that if you discard a car, uh, cards have like vampire cards have madness now. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Falcon Wrath there's Forger, like maybe stuff it's that's close, but I think that's where it's really hurting is that one drop slot. Yeah, um, you need a, you need a better one. If we get if we get, if we get one or two red or black uh mana one mana vampires in in the next set that are good i think this card jumps up to being like a deck um adeline replensant cathar one white around the three drops one white white x4 human knight legendary creature vigilance its power is equal to the number of creatures you control when you attack for each opponent create a one one white human creature token that's tapped in attacking that player or a planeswalker you control this was brought up as one of the cards people were excited for it's kind of a less expensive uh knight of um blade hold hero hero blade hold i i'm not here on it this was something one pe- people brought up i think it's like it could there is a situation where this is like a six four for three that then makes tokens every time it attacks. So it's not the worst. And Vigilance isn't a terrible idea. I just, yeah, I think for three mana, this doesn't do enough. 
it's it's a one one white human creature token that's tapped and attacking and it this this doesn't have battle cry or any way to anthem that card so it's the difference is that for three mana this thing can be bigger and it can make one versus for four mana this thing pumps the two creatures that it makes every time it attacks and you don't care how big the one creature is because they'll kill it if they can anyway Um, what's the three mana that makes one one monks that have prowess Monastery Mentor. Like, Monastery Mentor is not a, a playable card in Modern. I don't know how Adeline where Pleasant Cathar is. No, no, no. no. And, and Monastery Mentor is a card that people have a great deal of affection for, that people have tried to make work a million times. It's it's borderline playable. I mean, it's a fringe card, but this this has better options. So, yeah, yep. I agree. Uh, next card is Augur of Autumn. One green, green, two, three. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may play land cards from the top of your library. Uh, and Coven, as long as you control three or more creatures with different powers, you may cast creature spells with the top from the top of your library. This card is interesting. It doesn't have the life gain, and it is not a 2-4. So it, that is that is two things it's missing from Corsair Crucifix. Being a 2-4, being Lightning Bolt, dodging 2-4, blocker for 3 yep. was always relevant. And the life gain was an important feature, especially with fetch lands off of Landfall. But on the other hand, being able to cast creature spells off the top of your library pretty easily makes this start becoming like a pretty efficient card draw engine. And the fact that it doesn't reveal your deck to your opponent, so you can look at it. And in modern with fetch lands, that one of the reasons Corsair is good with fetch lands is because you can fetch, you can use fetch lands as a reset like it, yeah. reset the top of your library. So, yeah, it's card's pretty good, man. I have to say, you know, it is debatable how it compares to Corsair. Um, the two four is significant, but my gut tells me on this one. In the right build, this card has more gas and is a more turbo card in the deck than Corsair is. Corsair feels like it might be pound for pound a little more fair, right? Like, I feel like Corsair might be the all-around card that would end up in a deck like Jund in certain situations, more so than Augur. But Augur feels like it's the card that if you construct the deck around this, is going to be the turbo card. It kind of, it's not it's not an Elves piece, but it, when I read this card, it feels like a card that's going to end up in a deck that plays a bit like Elves. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think like in Elves, this is really interesting, right? In some ways, it acts as whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card. Yeah, well, I don't, I was saying, I don't think that Elves wants this because Elves is so competitive in the slot, but I think that a deck that plays and functions a bit like Elves like, will be excited like to have this. Like a Druid's deck? Something like druid that. Druid tribal? Because yeah. it is a Druid, right? It's a human Druid. So like you could yeah. like do Druid tribal. That would be cool. I'd be down. Uh, next card is Popper Stitcher. Two and a blue, human wizard. Two, three. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, create a two, two black zombie creature token with decayed. An ability that has classically been very good. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more creature tokens, you flip it. Creature tokens you control lose all abilities and come 3-3. So they lose Decayed. It made 3-3 tokens now instead of 2-2. And then the beginning of your upkeep, you may transform it back. Yeah. I mean, whenever you cast an instant sorcery, you get a 2-2 black zombie creature token with Decayed. So here's the issue with this. Monastery Mentor, we just mentioned a second ago. And Monastery Mentor is not a card people actually play. It's a fringe fan favorite. People always try to make work. It makes creatures with prowess i think i think mm-hmm. they all have prowess it makes one ones with prowess and it's also so creature to... spells so it includes bobble yeah so and that's already one people i do think that flipping and making them into three threes is good but they lose all abilities so like in the in the deck that takes advantage of monastery mentor in theory the prowess tokens are better than these creatures would be at three three anyway so play them both maybe 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sure, sure. They like trigger together and it is really good with the prowess tokens. Yeah, I don't hate that. Uh as kind of like it's a redundant version of the effect. Play um, rug. Play play rug with like with uh Pyromancer. Well, what, what, I, what, I, the- <laughs> what I do like about this is if you play this and Pyromancer together, they combo together really well. Because two mana Pyromancer, three mana this, and then you just cart start casting free spells or or you know, whatever. And then when this flips, it turns all the elemental tokens into three threes. So it acts as an overrun effect to your three threes and then also acts as a redundant piece to Young Pyromancer. I think that's where I'm most excited by it is is that effect Um, for sure. Yeah, I think the issue there is just that, you know, if if you had two of these, if you had two creatures in that two drop slot that were really desirable to play, I think it'd be one thing. I just think it's really hard. That's the problem. That's why Monastery Mentors always struggled so much is that casting the three drop that doesn't do anything the turn you cast it is a big challenge mm-hmm. and that's that's the same situation that stitcher is going to find itself in cool card though and you know there's always room for exploration with it's powerful stuff we're talking about doing all right, all right. next card is search party captain three and a white for a two two human soldier uh so four mana for a two two human soldier uh and when it enters the battlefield draw a card it's a white card uh so that's interesting the more important part is this spell costs one less to cast for each creature you attacked with this turn so it can be a one mana two two white card that draws you a card uh on etb also any card that has etb in white that draws you a card has seen is like a thing to talk about like wall of omens still sees play this is a better than wall of omens in aggressive decks right like this allows you to play a etb matters restoration angel but like you're trying to actually attack your opponent and not block for them uh card and yeah getting a one mana two two that draws you a card is already really good my gut tells me that the my gut tells me that the force of having to attack with multiple creatures to be able to get the payoff on this card is going to make it a little bit rickety to cast you're going to be in situations where you're forced to take advantage of the attacking to try to get the cheaper cost um but i do think you're right the thing i agree with you on 100 percent is the fact that it's when it enters the battlefield draw card is the biggest upside play here. So that even if you're not having to curve this thing out to make it just like a one mana two two that draws you a card, it's still just fine to have. There are lots of decks that'll probably find a way to take advantage. Yeah, like like the nice thing is that when it when it's bad, it's good, right? Like early on, if you're playing a white aggressive deck, an aggro white deck you're going to be able to attack with creatures and get it down to a two drop at at least, right? Attacking with two creatures is not hard to do if you're trying to be aggressive. And then late game, if you draw it and you're in a situation where there's a board stall and you just have to cast something, it draws a, it's a cantrip for four. Okay, that's it's late game. I'm no longer attacking, but at least I have this cantripping two, two. The cool thing is also there is a version of this that just lets you cast like three of them in a turn, right? Like if I attack for three creatures on turn three, and I play this and I draw another one. I play that and I draw another one. I've now like drawn three cards and played three of these guys. Uh, it is fair that a one mana two, two that draws you a card is excellent. And there are situations where you're going to have multiples. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't poop on the idea too much. I think it's cool. I think uh, next up we have, wait, wait, oh, I, ahead, I am close to my invitational card. If I ever were to get one being one white zero one draw card flyer. Oh, interesting. Just because it's cheap and you could like blink it and do all kinds of fun stuff with it. Well, yeah, it would be like it's really cool. Mostly it's just a fog, right? Like most of the time it's just like blocks a creature and dies. But like you can give it plus one plus one counters. It has evasion. You could equip stuff to it. I think it would be such a cool card. I'd even be down for two mana zero one flyer. I think it'd have to be a zero two. Like if Ornithopter can be a zero two flyer for free. I don't know why white yeah. can't have a cantripping one mana 
white zero one flyer for one. You heard it here first, folks. Give me that someday card. The Invitational ever happens. They don't do it anymore, though. Uh, right? If you win the world championship now, you get to do it. That's what oh, that wow. one red knight creature was, was one of them. And then oh, uh, fervent, the fervent Cathar, that one. Yeah. No, then, no, but Paulo got the, the flying three or the three one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That card's great. The... Yep. Uh, enduring angel two wait, 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 three, three angel flying double strike. You have hex proof. If your life total would be reduced to zero or less instead transform enduring angel and your life total becomes three. Then if enduring angel didn't transform this way, you lose the game. Uh, flying, you have hexproof. Uh, its power and toughness are each equal to your life total. Uh, and it attacks, whenever it attacks, double your life total. So it'll flip into a 3-3. Three, three. Um, it is a 5-mana card. It does cost triple white. You can't lose the turn you play it, <laughs> which is nice. Right? Like, And you having hexproof is nice. Like, like, so they can't like bolt you. Yeah. They can't attack. You, they, you, you dodge any type of graveyard hate it turns liliana of the veil off just as like a liliana sideboard card it's interesting and then there's also i've heard there's like combos with this and ludovic uh which is a card we'll talk about in a second which like makes it so you can't lose the game as long as they can't kill a creature ever or something along those lines because it keeps flipping back and forth i think this card is pretty sweet actually i like this card um it's it's a little beefy definitely the triple white is a little scary but i do think it's pretty cool and i do like that when it flips over it doubles your it doubles your life total. Like I think that's a. I mean, eh, but then again, what? So you go from three to six. It costs five. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's just clunky. That's the only problem with it. It's just it's it's just going to be a little bit. It is a flying double strike. Like even if you don't get the other ability, like it's terrifying in play. I agree, it's clunky. I think there's a, it it as a reanimation target is actually something yeah. that's a little interesting, right? Just like getting this into play. There was a while where that 4-6, you have Hexproof Sphinx was a good reanimation target in Legacy just because it did the same thing. So, like, being able to get this into turn on turn two with Persist um, and then, like, it gets some matchups will just win you the game, right? Like, I mean, it is, it, it is to be fair, though. It is just a 3-3 three, three that's boltable. It doesn't have Hexproof. They can just kill it. Correct. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that that's fair. Um, next card is Lord of the Forsaken. Four black, black, six, six, flying trample. You may pay a black to sacrifice another creature to have target player mill three cards. More importantly, you may pay one life to add one colorless. Spend this mana only to cast spells from your graveyard. This card's real sweet. I mean, what's interesting about this card is that it plays on... It's a it's a throwback to Yogmoth's Bargain on some level. There's like there's some similarities and parallels to Yogmoth's Bargain that for people that don't know it's Rose's Destiny, it's black black four for an enchantment that you can pay one life to add one black to your mana pool. And uh or no no no, it's Yogmoth you draw cards on. What's the one I'm thinking of where you can pay anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm 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 rambling. But the point is there the the way that those cards, those older cards like that with the big casting cost work where you could funnel your life into some resource and you could just dump your whole life total into doing something cool. It's the same thing with this card. The top half of the ability of sacking a creature to mill three, while interesting, what I think of when I look at this card is getting like Devil's Play into my graveyard and <laughs> paying 19 life to cast Devil's Play for 19. Yeah, it, it, to me, this feels like a like a Chatterstorm Underworld Breach the 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 life gain storm card grizzle brand knockoff option like like yeah, yeah. i don't know what that looks like i am not going to be the player in magic to come up with how the right number of these cards all added together come up with something that wins you the game but anytime i see something that can make 19 mana on turn two yep 
it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, that deck yeah. is like four colors, right? It's playing Underworld Breach. It's playing uh, the... I guess you could play not blue-white looting. You could play just, just some of the other looting effects, but just the mono-red stuff. But yeah, I think like there's a lot of different cards that love this that might can do something with it. Target player mills three cards and sacrifice another creature is also really good with Underworld Breach because you can like play... If uh uh what's the two, two one one two mana for one black uh when it enters the battlefield make three mana two mana for one black isn't that a card like it plays dark ritual like priest of gets gix or whatever oh, priest of gix the yeah. creature you're yeah, yeah, yeah yeah the yeah. creature like you can combo that with this and maybe something else that makes you mana and underworld breach to go infinite and like keep playing it again Ur- and again and priest of urabrask is also in uh that's right? red though red so like one? the ability cost one black but yeah i think like like for basically in that combo you for one life you're able to recast it with underworld breach again and again and again because you can use the cards you mill with the other ability to go off there's just like cool stuff and it's a six mana six x flying trample so it also just like could kill a person it, if oh the, devil devil's play is triple red from the graveyard damn okay so you would have to have to, to win there it gets really dicey colors wise what was the what was that cycle of spells that all had the double thing from the graveyard increasing vengeance yeah uh, increasing that's what they were yeah. called increasing devotion increasing oh there's vengeance. the blue one that mills too which is cool yeah right yeah yep yeah. Top X cards of the library, and then if it was cast from your graveyard, it's twice that many instead. Sure. So that's it's pretty good. You pay, you know, you pay 19 life and you mill 38 yeah. cards from your graveyard. It's definitely a card that I want to break. I don't know how to do it yet, but I feel like someone might figure it out. Wait, increasing savagery, man. That's the one, the green one, <laughs> because you you pay seven, and if it's cast from your graveyard, you put 10 plus one plus one counters on the creature. Sure. So you just put you, you have a 16, 16 flying trample. Yeah, and the Forsaken just attacks for 16. Yeah. And it doesn't even cost you all your life. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there's stuff to do. Uh, you can also you can also just Devil's Play. That's Yeah, it's triple red. Or Increasing Ambition, the black double demonic tutor. Yeah, yeah. From your graveyard. That one's you good. Pace. Yeah, those are all pretty. Those are all like all these. Like all of these are weird pieces that win you the game, right? And like we're not even talking about the Necroticus version of this, where you play Necroticus and then he just has these abilities and with them in the graveyard. So like there's there's it feels like something. Necroticus also feels like at any moment it could just be broken. Uh, or if they print a second one, people try. Tall Valar's Huntmaster, four green green six six human werewolf. When it enters the battlefield, create two 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 green wolf creature tokens Daybound, uh the nightbound side when it enters the battlefield or attacks uh create two two green wolf creature tokens it's a seven seven and another target wolf wolf or wolf fights target creature control for four mana i think that's the least important ability the more important is that this is a grave titan in green green grave titan. yeah i mean it's 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 what it is only when it enters though it's not when it attacks no no, no. the back side is when it attacks but you have to flip it first so you just don't cast the spell for a turn yeah, well, I mean, Grave Titan makes two, and then the next turn, yeah, just attacks, yeah, yeah. Makes two. But black is a significantly harder color to cast a six drop than green. True, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and this one you can. So wait, with Nightbound and Daybound, the way it works, um, it becomes a Night the next turn. So if so, you can't. This will never come down as a pack leader. Oh no, it'll well, never be. It can. If it's night. If it's night. So if you can make it nighttime with an if you play any other card that makes it nighttime or daybound and you're able to make it nightbound before casting this card, then it's it. actually just a seven seven version of Grave Titan. <laughs> Got it. Yep, yep, yep. 
the next card, uh, and this is the last card for tonight, and the next week we will do Planeswalker, uh, Planeswalkers, Enchantments, Instants, and Sorceries, I believe, and Lands we'll be doing next week. All right, so the last card we're going to be talking today is Moonsilver Key. It's two for an artifact, one colorless, tap it, uh, sacrifice it to search your library for an artifact card with a mana ability or a basic land card. Reveal it and put it into your hand, then shuffle. Now, in modern, there's definitely not a bulk of really, really good artifacts that can be used with this ability, though it does stuff find stuff like the Great Henge. Um, in other formats, it can find stuff. It used to be, honestly, what sucks is this card would be like such a shoe-in for Crank, Klein, Ironworks decks. Yeah, Ironworks, yeah, for sure. I do think I do think Eggs decks, I think Eggs decks are actually close to being playable, and I think this card's like a shoe-in to be played there. Like, they're missing like one card to be really get push it across the edge. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think... I mean, there's there's interesting. Uh, there are interesting art cards that have certain abilities, like you know, Lotus Bloom is a good example of a card, or like you you were talking about it just a minute ago. But like um, some of the Moxes, you know, whether you're talking about Mox Amber, or you're talking about well, Opal's gone now. But if you were the crazy that wanted to try to use the uh, the suspend Mox, sure, um, sure. <laughs> well, I think the suspend Lotus is the one that like in eggs you would yeah, find, right? Lotus, like Lotus Bloom, getting yeah, Lotus yeah, Bloom and guaranteeing it into your hand is like something to really talk towards. Um, and there might be other combo pieces. I think like any creature that has a mana ability that's an artifact creature starts becoming interesting. Um, it is. We talked about it, it does find Peely Paula. Does indeed. And it also is it's castable with Grand Architect. Grand right. Architect can on turn three come down, cast Moonsilver Key. Then the next turn, this can sacrifice. You have the mana then to get Peely Paula into your hand, cast Peely Paula with Grand Architect. And if you have mana open, now you're just protecting yourself uh, to be able to w- make infinite mana the next turn. I- I've never seen anybody actually win in a modern game with the Peely Paula Grand Architect combo. Sure. It's been like my life's my life's goal well, to make that work. I think so. one of the reasons is that there's not been an actual playable tutor for Peely Paula. There has yeah. been like the one thing that hurts it is like since Karn, the great creator, has existed, you could have done it. And if that wasn't going to do it, does this do it? But this two mana, like I think Garn the great creator, when you play it for four mana, you're just finding something better. Right. Like for four and, mana, and, you can get and, anything and that wins you the game. There's the there's also the fact that what we talked about is true, which is that Architect casts this on its own. At which sure. case the turn it comes in. So the, the mana investment, if you're going to try to play this in the Architect deck is like. There is no mana investment. This just architect just comes down and now this card's in play right, because it right, has haste right. to tap itself. And so if that's the case, that just means that now the next turn you've got all of your mana open to, to maneuver this however you need to. And yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think I think it 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 offers it's an interesting tutor, and there's gonna be more and more ways to kind of do stuff with it that I think will be interesting. I also like in other formats like Commander or like other th- anything like Legacy, I think this card's insane, right? Because it finds Phyrexian Altar. Um, yeah, it finds like way more powerful cards. It finds Crane Clan Ario works, right? Like that's that I think is like a big, uh, a big win. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it does anything in modern uh, and, and keep an eye on it. All right. So that that is it for today. We're going to do the rest of the cards. So that's uh, Planeswalkers, Enchantments, Instant Sorceries and Lands uh, next week. There are this is where I think the bigger heaters like already just like a short call out to Faithless Mending which is just like blue white faithless looting is like in some ways is proving that faithless looting was too good for the format. The fact that a blue white version of (laughs) that card for two mana is already seeing significant play in the format 
is kind of proof that Faithless Looting was too good. But we'll be talking about that next week. So that's a little bit of a preview for then. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the cast, a uh, big thank you to uh, our patrons. Uh, y'all are the reason we're able to do this once a month. We're sorry we missed last week's episode. Um, and we'll, 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 uh, we're back to our normal schedule. Uh, thank you. Uh, make sure to hit that like button if you got the trivia question or right or wrong or didn't even hear that part. We appreciate that, that as well. It really helps all the algorithm gods support us. And check out Battle Bosses, BattleBosses.com. Uh, it was a game we kickstarted, and now you can buy it. Uh, it says pre-order on the website when we're recording this, but hopefully by the time this episode comes out, it'll just say buy now. Uh, we are still pre-ordering the deluxe edition, but the individual bosses you can just buy on our website, and we'll be shipping them out. We've already started backfilling Kickstarter backers. If you back the Kickstarter, thank you so much. Thanks for bearing with us. We launched our first Kickstarter on an extraordinarily complicated project right into a trade war followed by COVID that's been a super big challenge, but we finally got past it and are finally shipping it to people. So we're super hyped and the game's awesome. You can, yeah, I mean, check out Tappy's it, uh, Twitter. She'll talk about how great uh, it was and how she didn't think it would be because being demoing a game at a convention can be really boring and people had a blast. So we're really hyped. Yeah, it's really, really, really exciting. And I, I highly recommend you guys check it out. Um, my last thing to shout out really quickly before we get out of here is that, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this, but um, I just launched a brand new podcast. It's it's similar to an old podcast that I used to do that you actually were the guest on uh, three or four times over the years. Andrew Guy and I used to talk about action movies and whatnot for years and years. This is called The Best and the Worst. We break down an actor, a filmography, a director, a franchise, and we break down through cinema science, the best film and the worst film in that group. Uh, and we talk through all the different fun stuff. The first couple episodes have talked about best David Fincher films, best martial arts films, all things like that. Uh, it's been really fun. So check it out. It's called The Best and the Worst. It's available everywhere you can find podcasts or over on the Action Industries YouTube. And uh, it's lots of movie talk. Thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you all next week. Uh, and shout out to everyone that supports us, like our patrons and our friends at TCG Player. You all the best. Bye. Bye, guys. This has been a